0: There it is. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so fun. I hope you all had a good week and you've been enjoying these summer months. I have to say, for me, the highlights have definitely been that beach baptism was so good. And then the Wednesday night series has been filling, filling my cup. And uh, so we have two more of those. If you haven't been out for one, you've got to come. We've got dinner beforehand, 6 o'clock, and that's been so great to be able to know each other. And it's fun to be part of such a great community. And whether you've been with us on this adventure that we've been on for the last year and 10 months as a church, or you're just new coming into this fellowship, uh, I just wanna say that I'm truly grateful to be in the midst of a church that is thriving. And, and what I think uh, of a thriving church, I think of a church that is Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching, and Spirit-filled, and it's people who live to the glory of god but uh, more recently something that's been coming to my focus and attention and i think it's something that many people are looking for and i think a lot of people are connecting within this church body is to have a church that feels like family and i've been hearing that a lot and it's just been it's been true for me and i hope it's been true for you but i pray that this church family would be a place for you to belong Uh, but it'd also be a place for you to become. That, you know, we would come to this place just as we are, but you would know that you're not gonna stay the same, right? That God is going to change you. He's gonna mold you by his love, by his word, by his spirit, by his grace. There's just the transforming work of God that happens in our lives day by day from glory to glory, and we get to do that together as a family, And so i'm just grateful to be seeing the beautiful work that god is doing in so many people's lives in my own life included so let's keep doing this right let's keep fulfilling the vision of our church which is to know jesus and to be known by jesus and then that very important aspect that i was just talking about is to be known by one another and then i think if we're doing that well i think if we're knowing jesus and being known by him And I think if we're being known by one another, it's going to propel us into that final part of our vision, which is to make Jesus known. That people are going to be attracted to what God is doing in this place. They're going to want to come, and they're going to want to see, and what they're going to see is they're going to see Jesus and his love for his church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Well, today we're continuing on in the book of 2 Peter, so you can open your Bible there, 2 Peter we are going to be looking today in chapter 1 verses 5 through 11 that's our text for today and last week we started out with a little bit of an introduction Uh, but then right away peter comes right out the gate and hit us just between the eyes with one of the biggest promises of the scriptures and we learned that his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And what we've discovered already just at the beginning, just right out the gate of this epistle, is that because we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we can live the best life that you can imagine. We can live a godly life in Jesus Christ. And, and at least I hope that you would see that living a godly life in Jesus Christ is the best way that you can live your life. And so last week, we had that huge promise that told us who we can be in Jesus Christ. It was a gospel mouthful, as I like to call it, where we read it and we studied it, and we came away, at least I did, having to say, man, the Holy Spirit had to inspire those words because they were just that wonderful. We were told things like his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and that God has called us to his own glory and excellence, or that we've been granted his very great and precious promises so that through them we can become partakers of the divine nature, which is God's spirit dwelling in us. Where's the Holy Spirit, church? In us. In us. Amen. That's been something that's just been so sweet even as we've been going through the series on the Holy Spirit. Remembering that it's God's power in us that helps us. Even with this final promise that says that through faith we have escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We have been saved by Jesus Christ who shed his blood on a cross and he has sent the helper, his Holy Spirit, so that we can live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's a lot of gospel promise. And that was on top of the fact that this is all possible because of the righteousness that we have received from Jesus Christ. That we have obtained a faith that is of equal standing with one another. As I said last week, the ground is level at the cross. God loves all people who have faith in Jesus equally. He shows no partiality. We have a faith that says you have been fully loved and fully accepted by God. And it has nothing to do with what you have done or what you have not done. And God can't love you anymore and God can't love you any less. God's love for you is the same love that he has for Jesus, his son. And that's perfect love. That's a complete love. We have that kind of faith. And so from truth after truth, what Peter is reminding us is the greatness of God's love and his grace. And we, we've heard it in that huge promise last week of who we are in Jesus. And, and look, verses 2 through 4. It's going to take a lifetime for us to unpack what it really looks like to live that way, and so what Peter does is he's laid out all this gospel truth and and he al- he almost prepares that his reader's going to be like, yeah, but how do you do that like that that's that's what I am, but but how like really like because it sounds a little pie in the sky, does it not i, I what is the practical nature of these things? And that is what I love about this next part in 2 Peter. Is that Peter gets, in, right out of this huge promise about our spiritual identity, he brings it all down to a practical level. Which is, how do you live this out? So what I'm saying is, is that if in verses 3 and 4, our position in Jesus has been laid out, then now we need to put that positional truth into practice. How does that reality uh, take place in our daily living? And that is what verses 5 through 11 will help us to do. Because isn't that the goal of the Christian life? It's to get our practice to match with our position. To, as I've recently heard it said... We want to close the gap between what we believe and how we behave. And if by the promise of God's word and God's spirit dwelling in us, we can live the best kind of life that you can possibly think of, which again is a godly life in Jesus Christ, which I think all of you are here because you want to live that kind of life. And we've understood that we have all things meaning that all the resources of God are available so that you can actually have that kind of life. But we come to that and we say, but why don't I have it? Why don't I have it? Why do I so often look at my life and see something quite different from what I read? Does anybody feel that or just me? Okay, good. Just, just wondering, because if I was just preaching to myself this morning, <laughs> good. We, we, we read the Bible, and, and when we read it, we believe it's true. And what it says about us is accurate, and we would say yes, but then what we're tempted to think when our life doesn't match up with what we read, we think, well, maybe it's just not true for me. Maybe it's true for, you know, those super godly Christians, but maybe just not me. Listen, dear brother, dear sister in Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing in Jesus, where every single person in this room is equally loved and accepted by Jesus. God has saved you, and you are perfect in him. But in this life, you will never be perfected. That's coming. That day will be soon when you're in glory with Jesus. But each day that we live in this world, and if I could use the language of First Peter, each day that you live as an elect exile in Jesus Christ, God is working in you. God is working in you. He is conforming you into His own image. From faith to faith, from glory to glory, you are being renewed by the love and the grace of God. But listen, friends, this also has to be worked out. You must work out your salvation, even as Paul would say, with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God's working in you, but guess what? you got to work too. We don't snap our fingers and then all of a sudden we're godly. You and God in a relationship need to make your spiritual identity your actual identity daily and practically, that you would grow in seeing yourself the way that God sees you. And so what we're talking about today is how can we grow into our spiritual identity. If this book gives an accurate view of how we can live the very best life, which is a godly life in Jesus Christ, but we look at our lives and we say, why isn't it so, how does this happen? Again, we wanna get our practice To match our position we want to close the gap between what we believe and how we behave and to use the theological term is this is the process of sanctification where you are being changed day by day through Jesus Christ and that's what our text is going to tell us today so let's get right into it 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 5 I hope you're even kind of on the edge of your seat to say okay I'm gonna get some practical tips for how I can have a healthy Christian life. Here's what it says in verse five. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. You know, for this very reason is another way of saying therefore or in light of. In, In light of what we have just spent even the beginning portion of our time this morning, the reason why I've I've reference back to last week so much here at the start is because this is all coming out out of that huge promise of our spiritual identity so if you missed last week you've got to go back and listen and so for this very reason because you have been called to live a godly life in jesus christ and you have been given all the resources of god in jesus christ all things are yours it says make every effort Effort. That's a great word to describe the Christian life, isn't it? Effort. Making every effort to live out your faith. Another word is diligence. Be diligent to live this out. And I don't know about you, but to live a godly life in Jesus Christ takes some effort, does it not? In fact, it takes every effort that I can think of to live a faithful and fruitful life for Jesus. And the effort that we're called to give is this, verse five, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now let me first be very clear about what faith in Jesus Christ is. Listen to this, I think this is an important key. It doesn't take any effort on our part to become a Christian, but it takes every effort on our part to be a Christian it doesn't take any effort on our part to become a christian but it takes every effort on our part to be a christian let me explain when a person is saved they are saved by grace through faith it is a gift of god of no effort of their own god does all the work of saving us it's not by our own efforts But once we are saved, God calls us into obedience, and that requires efforts. Now, there's power that is supplied from God because his divine nature is in us and he has given us all things. We could say that God continues to empower us by his grace to do the work. We're saved by grace, and and we don't just all of a sudden he's like, all right, you're saved, now figure it out, dude, (laughs) right? You're saved, and he keeps empowering you. He keeps giving you all the supplies and the energy to be able to do the works of God. In fact, we have the promise that he's even laid it out beforehand so that you can walk in it. But you must take it up and do it. You have to actually say, I'm going to live a godly life, and then take the actionable steps to say, I'm going to give the effort to live this way. So I gotta be certain that no one thinks that what I'm talking about this morning is that we are saved by our own efforts. That's religion. We're saved by God's grace. But, but then what are we talking about? What is Peter suggesting here? He is talking about adding to your faith. He's talking about supplementing your faith, giving the effort to grow in your faith, that you are able to build upon the foundation of belief that you have in jesus by making every effort to live out that faith in your daily practices and nor are we talking about legalism where where it's now it's all up to you again god empowers us and supplies us the grace to do it we are saved by grace apart from works so that we can now be empowered by grace to work hard for the Lord. Does that make sense? I love that. Thank you. We, in case you missed that, we are saved by grace apart from works. We all know that. We're saved by, or maybe you don't, but this is the gospel. You're saved by grace apart from works so that we can now be empowered by grace to work hard for the lord did did you get that okay for this very reason supplement your faith when i lived in santa barbara i used to go to this smoothie shop called blenders anybody been there yeah it's pretty good nothing quite like it here but Every time I ordered a smoothie, uh, they would ask me if I wanted any supplements, and uh, they had a list of supplements on the, on the menu, and you could choose something to add to your smoothie, and it just made the smoothie a little bit healthier, right? It's a supplement, and there was one called Female Booster, and I always thought that was funny. When I buy a blenders for my friends, I say, hey, I got you the Female Booster, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But, you know, they had all these things, and each one of these things that you added, it could, you know, make the smoothie healthier. And it, so, I would get one called Total Supplement, because I guess it just kind of had everything I needed. And so, I got the Total Supplements, and uh, this is what Peter sort of getting at. He's saying, you have faith. You believe in God, you believe he exists, you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins, you believe that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead, you believe that if you trust in who he is and what he has done, you are saved by his grace through faith, and you're saved. You have faith. You've got the smoothie in your hands. But would you like any supplements? You've got faith, a faith of equal standing by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But would you like any supplements? Would you like a healthier faith? See, the supplements don't change the smoothie into something else, the supplements just make the smoothie better, makes the smoothie healthier. And in the same way, we can supplement our faith in Jesus. We can grow in our faith. It doesn't change the nature of our faith. We don't earn more of God's love. You already have all of God's love. All things are yours already. But by adding certain faith supplements, you're able to make your faith stronger and healthier, and your life will be better. And so i think you'll see what i mean in verse 5 through 7 as we now look at what these supplements are for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love this is the menu. This is the list of supplements that you can add to your faith. And in the same way that as I was in that smoothie shop and they had all the supplements and they, they had a description for each supplement, what it did and how it could increase, the, 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 make the smoothie better. In the same way, we too have a list, and I'm going to give a short description of what each one of these things are that you can add to your faith so that your faith can become stronger and healthier. Are you ready? Do you want to practically add to your faith? Well, you can add to your faith virtue. This is the first supplement. Virtue is moral excellence. It's the quality where someone just stands out because they live a life well you live a life that is praiseworthy because you're living as god would have you to live it means that you put forth effort in excelling in moral goodness this just means that you do good things Well, I think we all have a pretty good sense of what a virtuous person is, somebody who just does good and does good to themselves and to those around them and into their community. They are a person that has moral excellence and integrity and lives a life that is praiseworthy, that people look at it, they just say, that is a good person. And you can add to your faith by doing what God designed you to do, which is to do good and then you add to virtue knowledge and knowledge is that word gnosis in the bible it's more of an experiential knowledge a kind of knowledge that peter is saying to supplement is not merely an accumulation of facts but rather it's speaking of an experience of the spiritual realities that are true not an accumulation of facts but experience of spiritual realities for instance You might have some knowledge of surfing. You know, you might know that it happens in the ocean. You know that you have to ride on a surfboard. I think everyone understands, has the knowledge that surfing is in the ocean and is on a surfboard. Anybody confused does not have that knowledge. (laughs) New revelations. Okay, no. You might even know the difference between a shortboard and a longboard. You might even know the difference between the various types of fin setups that you can have on a surfboard. You can have a single fin, you can have a twin fin, you can have a thruster, you can have a two plus one setup. You can have all kinds of different things with your fin setup. Maybe that's a little more knowledge for you, right? We can go deeper and deeper into the knowledge of surfing. But you don't know surfing until you've been surfing. <laughs> until you surf. Until you've ridden a wave. Now, you might not understand what the whole attraction to surfing is until you've pulled into your first barrel, you know, surfed a big wave that is, gets the adrenaline going. Anyone who's a surfer understands by experience why we surf. See, because we have the knowledge that it's the next greatest thing to godliness is surfing. Surfing. right? Now the knowledge that we add to our faith is not facts about God. It's experiences with God. It's the knowledge that comes by fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the knowledge that comes when you're reading His very great and precious promises and then they're just coming alive in you. See, you're not going to be able to have the experiential knowledge of the word of God if you're only a hearer of the word. James says you have to be a doer of the word. And when we do the word and we live it out in our faith, we grow in knowledge. And no Christian starts out with all knowledge. Again, we don't snap our fingers and you know everything about God. You have to read his word, and then you have to live his word. And by reading and living and reading and living, you're growing in your faith because you're experiencing the knowledge of God's word. So give diligent effort to grow in knowledge of the word of God by reading it. You have to do that. You you can listen to it, an audio Bible, but however you're going to do it, you have to get this book in you. And then once it's in you you have to then practice it you have to then live it out and as you do that you will grow the next thing that we're to add our faith the the next supplement is self-control the ability to control your desires to not go after every single feeling that you have and the word that Peter chose here in the Greek is often associated with the control of sexual desires but That's included, however, it extends to all areas of life where self-restraint is needed. You know, right, that if you just lived however yourself wanted to live, you would be out of control, right? You know that, right? And so we have to live in such a way because we have been called to faith in Jesus Christ where he actually, since we have the knowledge of his word and the word tells us things to do and things to not do, we have to then say, I'm going to crucify myself in Christ and I'm going to have self-control. You do know that because you have faith in Jesus Christ that you can control your passions and your appetites that there is the divine nature in you and with you to actually help you to be able to do what God says and to be self-controlled in the things that you say. To be self-controlled in what you listen to and what you watch and what you eat and what you drink and what you think about anything that involves the senses of your body because guys our senses are, are so connected to our flesh and when our senses are gratified our flesh is gratified but you have been called not to gratify the flesh but to gratify god in the spirit and so the idea of being able to be self-controlled actually has the idea of having a grip on your life. Like, it's kind of like Peter saying, get a grip, man. <laughs> you can control your life. Life is not to control you, if you know what I mean. So keep in mind that also self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, so let no one think that what we're adding to our faith are just in our own abilities. They have to come by the abilities of God's power in us. Then the next one is steadfastness. You guys tracking, in, you seeing all these supplements, maybe you're already thinking, I want to add that one, I want to add this one. Maybe you want to add steadfastness. This means to stand firm or to persevere. The idea of being steadfast is to remain until the end. The idea that I think of is of an athlete, somebody who is standing their ground, you know, kind of like a a lineman in a football game, kind of holding the ground and pushing forward, making sure that the opposition isn't gaining any ground. Here is the sense that we need to have endurance in our faith. We need to keep fighting. We need to keep pressing on. We need to keep holding fast to what we have been given until Jesus comes for us or we go to him. Faith is built through the trials and the testing of your faith so that you can grow steadily in steadfastness. We can keep growing. We can keep going because we know that God is keeping us. Amen? You can keep going. Yeah, it's hard. Maybe you've been a Christian for 25 years. It's like, man, I'm tired. Keep going. Keep going. And God will supply you with a fresh filling to keep you, you know, kind of like a fresh wind in your... Has anybody ever been sailing? It's just like all of a sudden dead wind and you're kind of just stuck there. It's like, let's get a fresh wind in our sails to keep going towards the eternal shores. And then there's godliness, and this means that your character matches the character of God. But how can we know the character of God unless you know God? And how can you know God unless you read his word, and unless you have knowledge, and unless you have self-control, and unless you have steadfastness? All of these things are building on each other so that we can have godliness. I love the word for godliness in the original language can literally be translated well worship a godly person is someone who worships well your life resembles god because you spend your time and your energy worshiping god and then the next thing is brotherly affection it's the type of love that is to be found among fellow believers in in the Greek language, there were four main words used for love, and the word chosen here was that word Philadelphia, phileo love. It's, it's the cream cheese on the bagel of the faith, right? It's the, it's the brotherly affection. It, just, it, it makes it better. And brotherly affection is the love that we're to have existing among one another. This is what we mean when we say we want to be known by one another. When we want to say we have a church that feels like family, this is what we're talking about. This adds to our faith because we've been united to our brother Jesus and he has shown us the Father. We've been brought into fellowship with God as our Father and therefore we are his children. And if we're his children, then we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. And that is a great kind of love the phileo love philadelphia but there is an even greater love of the four loves and you know it right it's the love called agape and he says that's the last one that we add add to brotherly affection with love and this is the purest and the truest of all the loves it is the love that god gives it is a love that is selfless and sacrificial, and all-giving. It is the supplement at the smoothie shop that I used to choose. It is the total supplement. Love is the total supplement. It has everything. And even Paul said in First Corinthians 13, if you don't have love, you have nothing. Because you see, if we don't have love, all of these qualities we've just talked about really are nothing. Because virtue without love is moralism knowledge without love is arrogance self-control without love is piety steadfastness without love is uptight godliness without love is religion and brotherly affection without love is fake love is everything Love is the total supplement of our faith, so add these to your faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and most of all, love. And these qualities, when they're added to your life, you will be strong in your faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse eight. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, meaning they keep growing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If these qualities are yours. So I have to ask, are these seven qualities evidenced in your life? That's just gonna require a self-examination on your part. Do I have these qualities? Maybe it means by listening to those around you, speaking into your life, are these qualities yours? Are you giving forth every effort to add these qualities to your faith? This would mean that if you're adding them to your faith, then they're also increasing. You're growing. You're growing and growing and growing. You're not coasting you're not cruising, you're not floating along, you haven't plateaued, you haven't said, you know, I'm good right here. Like this is as far as I will take my faith. Just that feels good, that feels right. You haven't said that. If these qualities are yours in increasing, look at what it says. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is never a place that I would ever want to be in my faith where God would say that I am ineffective and unfruitful. That is to be rendered useless in my experiential knowledge of the Lord. Do you want to be used by God? Yeah do you want to be effective and fruitful for Jesus? I think so. Then make every effort to supplement your faith with these qualities. Work hard and keep growing because you don't increase in these qualities. If you don't increase in these qualities, what's the flip side? Look at the alternative, verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter says, if you are not growing in these qualities, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus, you are so nearsighted that you're pretty much blind. You have forgotten what you have been cleansed from. And that word there for nearsighted in the language is where we get our word myopia. Anyone who maybe is nearsighted knows exactly what i'm talking about the condition that we call being nearsighted is called myopia nearsighted people have the ability to see things that are right in front of them but the further that they look out their vision becomes bad blurry blind Distant things are not able to come into focus. So what is Peter referring to here spiritually? What is spiritual myopia? What is spiritual nearsightedness? It's being so nearsighted that you can't see the hope of heaven ahead. It's being so nearsighted that you have no vision for the kingdom of God to come. It's being so nearsighted that all that matters to you is just what's right in front of you. So if heaven's out of focus for you, it probably means that you're too concerned with everything in the world, which is all going to pass away. And you often forget the grace of God and begin to trust in your own efforts to make it through the day? Ha- have you forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sin? Do you continue in sin having forgotten the price that was paid by Jesus on the cross? Did you forget that his blood was shed for you? Do you, do you struggle, maybe, with the assurance of your salvation? You're just not sure that you're really saved. Do you often find yourself in a spiritual identity crisis? Am I really a child of God? If, if, if that would be, like, the diagnosis, you went on Mayo Clinic, spiritual Mayo Clinic, and, like, started reading, like, that's me, then perhaps because you have not added to your faith and you need, by the grace of God that he supplies, you need to work harder. Listen, by the grace of God that he supplies, you need to work harder. You need to put forth every effort to grow in godliness because if these things are yours in increasing, you will have that confidence before God. Because look at the verse, at verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. What? Did it really just say that? Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. When you work hard, what it does is it shows, yes, I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Because I know what God has supplied me with and I'm using his grace and the spirit and the word and his love and I'm actually living out this faith. I'm living it. And you can have that confidence that you are in the family of God, that you are God's elect. We don't want fire insurance Christianity. That that edge of, I might be saved. Why would you ever want to be there? How hard is it when somebody we love dies? And, and somebody asks you, "Were they a believer?" And, and you you're like, "Uh Yeah? Friend, if you died today, let no one say, "Were they a believer?" I don't Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they went forward once. They, they, they prayed with me. Make every effort to confirm your calling. Make every effort so that like when a dear brother named Ben Wallen went to be with Jesus just recently. Oh yeah, he's in heaven. He's with Jesus. Confirm your faith. If these qualities are yours, you will never fall. Now, do we fall in life? All the time, I still fall. I'm hopefully falling less. I have an 11-month-old who's just learning to pull himself up on the coffee table and is gonna start walking. He's gonna be falling a lot. And again, if you're a new believer in Jesus Christ, get ready to fall, (laughs) and we'll be around you to pick you up. My five-year-old, he still falls. He's kinda klutzy sometimes, and he falls. My eight-year-old, she's like ripping across the driveway on a skateboard and I'm afraid she's gonna fall but she still hasn't fallen. And why is that? Because as you mature, like in age, you you fall less. That is until you get older and then you start to fall again. (laughs) So. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know? But then we go to heaven, so it's good. But the goal in the Christian life, the goal of sanctification is to fall less. You're not going to be sinless, but hopefully, the goal is you sin less as you're sanctified. Because this is what we all want in verse 11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord in Jesus Christ. That this is the correction of spiritual myopia. This is the correction that says so that I'm going to keep fighting the fight. I'm going to keep running the race until I cross that finish line and I stand before Jesus and he sees me and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. Amen? Yeah? We all want that. So if today you're, you're struggling and being like, will I cross that finish line? Add steadfastness to your faith. Keep going. Be confident that you will make it to eternal shores. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. God, would you cure our blindness. And we come to you, Jesus, thanking you that you are the great physician. And Lord, when you were here upon the earth, you took your fingers, you even spit in your hands, and you put them in people's eyes, and you looked up to heaven, and and you sighed and said, Be opened. I pray right now, Lord, for anyone here who has been blinded by the God of this world, the devil, from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ, they have been veiled from seeing you. I pray, Jesus, you would say, Be opened, and their eyes would be opened right now in Jesus' name. And so for us who have had our eyes opened, God, I pray that we would have If our eyes have grown dim from seeing your glory if we've forgotten what we were cleansed from if we've been forgotten what we are called to i pray lord that you would do some lasik surgery on our eyes right now and make us well jesus open our eyes to see you and to see heaven and to keep going in faith in jesus name everyone said amen let's all worship jesus together And uh, we're a family, which means that you can pray for one another right where you're at. But we have our pastors and some of our leaders up here who are going to be ready to pray for you for whatever your need is. So love you guys.